0: Welcome to this episode of Orange Juice Optional. I am here with, of course, my good friend, Suzanne. How are you today, Suzanne? I'm doing great. How are you, Michelle? I'm doing great. Although I'm thinking about the introduction and I'm like, I need to spice it up in some way, change the words, (laughs) do something different, but I don't know how to do it.
1: Uh, Well, yeah, you're asking the wrong person. That's why you always do the introduction, because I don't know how to do it.
0: Maybe we just need to reverse roles next time on our
1: next episode. Oh, I don't know if I'm up for that, but we'll, we'll talk about that later.
0: <laughs> or I'll just surprise you when you say three, two, one, and you hit record. I'm just going to sit quietly and wait for you to say something. That'll be entertaining. Yeah,
1: that'll be fun.
0: Dead air. Yeah, you'll probably forget to pause it and you'll be like, what the hell, Michelle? No, I'm kidding.
1: <laughs> so what should we talk about today, Michelle?
0: Well, I think a good topic for the day is friendship, but I actually had a story I wanted to ask your advice on before we got into today's topic. Oh, okay. Go for it. So yesterday, Rob and I went to breakfast and it was fairly crowded at this restaurant. There was our table, an open table, and then there was another table. And sitting at that table was a guy who's wearing a baseball cap, I guess fairly attractive, or, you know, decent looking, he wasn't bad. And he was sitting there with a woman, long blonde hair. I don't know, their age might've been off, but that's um, beside the point. So anyhow, we walked by and take our table and I was so distracted by him because he was talking loud enough that I could hear everything he was saying. And I was, all I could think of was, I really hope this isn't a first date because you know what the topic of conversation was?
1: I have no idea. Him. Oh, yikes.
0: All the women who have loved him before or had crushes on him, being a pallbearer at his uncle's funeral, the physical limitations, the other six pallbearers had, his job. It was him, 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 him. And all I could think was, you know, she obviously doesn't know this guy very well because he was introducing people that. If they were longtime friends, she would know, but she didn't know them. So I'm thinking, oh, my gosh, I bet this is a first
1: date and
0: a last date. (laughs) Right. And that's what I was thinking. I'm like, well, maybe it's a job interview. But you know what? If it is, he's not going to get the job. And then I'm thinking, oh, my gosh, what if they met like on Match.com and this is a first date? Then I'm thinking he's not going to get that first date. And then I'm thinking, maybe this is a tender hookup. They both swiped right. But if that was the case, good thing he likes himself so much because that's who he's going home with. I- I'm just telling you, it was so bad. I-, I could not sit still. And then I felt guilty. And this is a part I wanted to ask you about because I was overhearing all this and listening. I wasn't intentionally. He was just loud enough that it got my attention and then it annoyed me so bad because who talks about themselves that much, that I couldn't even relax. So was it wrong of me to continue to listen to the conversation? I did try to distract myself.
1: It's not wrong of you to listen to the conversation, because if he's loud enough that you can hear the conversation, you can't help but listen to the conversation. If you get caught up in it, then it is what it is. How do you walk away from that? How do you just turn that conversation off? So, I mean... (laughs) (laughs) it's kind of a no-brainer to me. It's like, it's on him, not on you, because he was sharing his conversation with the whole room, it sounds like.
0: And with a girl or a woman who was clearly ready to go, I mean, she sat there with her leftovers in a container for at least 45 minutes, but it was uncomfortable to the point, Rob's like, you can't sit here anymore. I'm like, no, this is driving me nuts. Like, I I can't stand to hear people go on and on, on about themselves and
1: not give another person a chance to talk. I agree with you. But all of that being said, it's interesting that you bring this up at the beginning of this episode, because one of our future episodes I was going to suggest to you is what it's like to date when you're over 50 in today's environment. Because when you're over 50, let's face it, well, okay, maybe not you, but going back to when I was dating, there was a whole different way of dating and meeting people than there is today. And I was having this conversation with my two sister-in-laws that I recently saw. And when we were talking about it, my one sister-in-law who's single, she lost her husband, my brother, a few years ago, and she's ready to start dating again um, now that COVID is gone. And we came up with that idea. We need to do a podcast about what it's like to date after the age of 50. And she needs to be a guest because she knows firsthand what it's like and how different it is today to meet people than it was 30 years ago, 40 years ago. So we have to tuck this story away for when we invite her to be a guest on our podcast and she can talk to us about it firsthand.
0: I love that. And I love that, you know, somebody who could be a guest on the subject because I've, you know, been married 16 years and you've been married much longer than that. So I have no idea what dating at this age would feel like. But I do find it interesting that you brought that up because as I mentioned in the last episode, one of the nights in Vegas, I went to dinner with Rob and four other guys and we're sitting there and one of the guys, he's only 40 but he's single and he brought up dating as a 40-year-old man and the difficulties around that because he's still wanting to have kids. So he's wanting to find somebody who wants to have kids, but the woman he is currently dating is older and has grown kids. So very interesting. This this dating thing will be very interesting. So yeah, tuck it away. Let's do it sooner rather than yes, later. Yes,
1: we will. We will get that on our calendar because I think it could be very interesting as well. And like I said, I'm a little out of touch because I've been married for a long time. And I think she has some really good insights.
0: Yeah. Definitely looking forward to that episode. She'll have a lot of great advice for us, I think. Or for our listeners, since Right We're both married. I'm saying right. (laughs) (laughs) So today I thought a fun topic to discuss would be friendship. What makes you a good friend? what qualities do you look for in a friend what qualities do you stay away from when it comes to being a friend and yeah i thought that'd be a good episode what do you think
1: i love it and i'm just going to start by saying before you even int- or suggested this topic to me i was somewhere thinking you know i have been very fortunate in my life because i have a handful of very, very close friends. And I think a lot of people would love to ha- have a handful of really close friends. And I find myself very fortunate.
0: Yeah. What What do they say that friends come into your life for a reason, a season or a lifetime or something like that? And I think that's so incredibly
1: true. Mm-hmm. But in my mind, a friend of mine is a friend of mine forever. So even if they come into my life for a reason or a season, if I leave them and come back to them, they are still the same friend as they were when they were in my life.
0: That's true. And I know, because we've talked about it before, that you do still have close friends from your childhood that you keep in touch with, that you would still consider one of your best
1: friends or some of your best friends. Absolutely. I have... Three that come to mind. I'm gonna tell you about one. Well, I'm gonna tell you about two. One of them goes back to when I was born. Her parents, we've I've talked about her before. Her parents and my parents, very close friends. She was born a month before I was. We didn't necessarily grow up together because we lived in different states, but to this day, I can still consider her my oldest and dearest friend. And we sporadically Text. We sporadically talk to each other. We sporadically get together for lunch when we're in the same town and we always pick up where we left off. It never changes. That's amazing.
0: I would have to say in my life, other than a Facebook connection or two, I do not have that continuation of friends from childhood. Uh, my dad was in the oil industry. And so we moved Every one to five years growing up. Most often it was about every five years, but there was a time or two, the turnaround was a little bit quicker. And so it was always about moving to the next place and meeting the new friends. And so that continuation there, you try to keep up with letters as a younger kid, you try to, you know, keep in touch, but it fades away a little bit, which makes me sad. But they are Facebook friends, but nobody that I talk to on a day to day or You know when we get together we could talk forever about things because that continuation is just not there on either side
1: right so i have two cousins who when i grew up each for their own reasons were really close friends of mine and then we moved to alaska my family moved to alaska I really lost touch with both cousins. One cousin I saw more often, she was on my mom's side of the family. So she's part of the family reunions that we, you know, periodic or we have regularly. So I, she stayed in my life, even when I lived in Alaska. The other cousin who's on my dad's side of the family, I was at her wedding and I was pregnant with my daughter, Katie. And I honestly think that may have been the last time I actually saw her was at her wedding. My daughter's 34 years old, so that's how long it had been since I had seen her. Until my sister was getting married in Michigan eight years ago and this cousin showed up at my sister's wedding in Michigan. And she truly is one of my oldest and dearest friends, even if she's my cousin. And I have never been so ecstatic to see someone come back into my life after not seeing her for 25 years. And we picked up where we left off and now we keep in very close contact. And she lives in Minnesota. I live in Scottsdale. We try to see each other two or three times a year and it is the best ever, best ever. My other cousin, who I still keep in very close, not very close contact, but regular contact with, again... We have the same friendship that we had when we were children. And I consider myself so lucky to have both of these women in my life to this day. And I consider them dear, dear friends.
0: And that is such a blessing because you do have that connection from childhood, which was a base. But then when you reconnected, now you get to know each other as adults and find that you still have so much similar and can complement each other's lives. Exactly. Yeah. And you know, my route to friendship, and I am saying this thinking, oh my gosh, I must sound like a terrible friend. But again, the the years I was growing up, we were moving a lot. So it was constantly meeting new people and reinventing myself. People didn't stay around as long. And at that time, there wasn't so much social media where we could go and keep in touch that way. It was making an effort by letters or phone calls. You know what I'm saying? I do. So- yeah, I just really feel that a lot of my closest friends now are people that I've met probably within the last 15 years. Um, There are people that I can run into from high school and stuff, and we can have a great conversation, go get a drink. But like the true people in my life today are ones that once I got to know myself better, once I became settled in who I was, it just flowed naturally because I learned to be a good friend. I think I always was a good friend, but. Some of the things I'd gone through uh, kind of had me self-isolating. So I know I'm rambling on. Yeah, no, but it's such, a different, it's such a different approach to you and having those, you know, your closest friends, having that tie back to childhood and me, you know, just really becoming comfortable in who I am and what I have to offer and the time, the time I have to offer also because as a mom, it's limited. So you really have to pick and choose where you invest that time and who you invested in. And so at that point, it felt like I have my tribe. I know exactly who I can call on. I know exactly what the benefits are to
1: friendship with them. I know what the limitations or the boundaries should be. So, Okay. And I just have to say, my mind is racing right now because you've hit on so many different angles we can talk about as far as friends go. Because when I talked about those three people in my life, those three people were the first that popped into my mind. And they are adult friends, as well as childhood friends. But I also have adult friends that I met, like you met some of your friends in the last 15 years, that are truly, deeply personal, close friends, I consider best friends. And it's fascinating, because I go back to what you said in the beginning, reason, season, lifelong friends. And I consider all of my friends, once they've become my friend, they stay my friend, they will be my friend forever. But you just touched on so many angles. I don't know where to begin. (laughs) Wow, you're
0: leaving me speechless. So I hope you find where to begin.
1: (laughs) Okay, I have to think about this. Where should we begin this conversation? How, How do you decide when you meet someone, how long does it take you to figure out they're going to be a close friend? And what is it that pulls you towards them? You
0: know, there are a couple people in my life where that connection wasn't instantaneous. It's not like I met them and I was like, I really want to be close friends with you. And I see myself being close friends with you. But the opposite has happened to me also where I'm like, oh, I feel completely connected to you. But then when you get in a little bit deeper and you invest a little more time, it's just not as clicking as you thought it was. Yeah. Does that make sense? That does make sense. I tend to, when I'm looking for a friend, I like people who are funny. I like people who don't take themselves too seriously. I like to be around people who are direct and you know where you stand with them. Because I'll tell you this about myself, if y'all haven't already guessed it, I can be a little bit beat around the bush type of person. And I don't find that quality, attractive in myself. And so the people I'm genuinely drawn to, they're strong women. They're successful women. They know who they are. And it
1: usually clicks that way. That's so interesting. And again, everything that's coming out of your mouth, it's making my head spin because there's so much I want to contribute to this conversation. And it's crazy that you're clearly tapping into a subject that is near and dear to my heart because think there is so much ground to cover in this subject
0: there is and it may take two episodes to cover it all because you know there is a side of what makes a good friend and all the questions that go with that but there's also the other side of the coin of what happens when that friendship ends or something happens or what makes not a good friend because i can go the distance with that one too because I have some strong thoughts about friendships that have ended and kind of
1: why for me, like I've done a lot of soul searching on this subject, both sides of it. Right. Okay. So I have two comments that I'm, because going back to what you originally said, I think what sparked the interest in this conversation with me originally was, I realized that this year was the 40th high school reunion and I moved to Alaska when I was a junior in high school. So I had my junior and senior year in Alaska. So I came in to a class of 600. I think there were maybe around 600 kids in that class. And when I walked into that school, I felt like they had all been friends for their entire lives. And I was this newcomer, I didn't fit in. Nobody knew me. Nobody cared to know me because they had been lifelong friends. And it turns out that the group of friends that I got to know really had been lifelong friends. They grew up in the same neighborhood. They went to grade school and middle school together. So they were lifelong friends. So when my 40th reunion came up and we had a very strong friendship class, they really pushed this 40-year reunion And I think they had a really good turnout, but I thought to myself, I can't go there. I can't do it because I will show up and no one will have a clue who I am because I didn't come in until the end of their childhoods and they grew up together. So I would show up and they would even get out the yearbook and look me up and still not know who I was. And I could not put myself in that situation. Isn't that just a totally depressing story? (laughs) It's not totally
0: depressing. I'm actually thinking you are speaking right to my heart. And maybe this is, you know, somewhere in our history. We didn't even know we shared, but I moved up to Alaska when I was a junior in high school and I felt the exact same way. How do you make friends with people who have known each other forever? What do I need to do to change myself to fit in? And that's where that self-discovery started for me, like pushing the boundaries, getting a little bit smart mouth with my parents. Sorry about that, mom and dad. I know you mm-hmm. listen. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, Yeah. You know, just going through those emotions and letting them flow and then starting to drink and starting to, you know, have these other experiences that I'd never had before, just trying to find me thinking I needed other people to define me. Yeah, it was tough. It was really tough.
1: Right. It was. And it was in a time where it felt like it would never change, like this is how life is. And I think going back, which would be a good thing for going back to your younger self, being able to say, this is two years of your life and then things move on and things change. And I think I could have relaxed a lot more. I think I could have been much more com- more comfortable in my own skin. I think I could have not so desperately wanted friendship at that time. But I also know I walked away from those people when we moved. You know, I had those lifelong childhood friends that we walked away from when we moved. And so I was very empty-hearted in those years and and lonely and and I made friends at the time and I still remember them dearly and when I saw the pictures on Facebook of the 40th class reunion I was like, Oh my gosh, I remember those people. Oh, but I still don't think they would have remembered me. Isn't that weird? It
0: is weird. I'm sure they would have remembered you because you are quite memorable. <laughs> I wasn't them. <laughs> but going back to what you were just saying, I mean, here you're in a new school and everything. This is happening in the 80s. So I'll tell you, and maybe I was a little bit of a dreamer. I was waiting for my Pretty in Pink moment. I was waiting for my Breakfast Club ending, like where something would just bring me out of my shell and all of a sudden I'd be appreciated. Sweet 16, like those are all movies that were out there that I'm like, I want that. Yes. It wasn't realistic,
1: but you know, (laughs) I, I, I was hopeful. I know. Okay, so all of that being said, when I did become comfortable in my own skin, frankly, is when... Jeff and I first got married. And when you live in Alaska, I don't know if you ever experienced this, but when you live in Alaska, you're always the friend that's left behind because it's such a transient state. People come and go so frequently. You'll just make a really good friend and you'll bond with someone and then they move away and you're the one left behind and you have to pick up your pieces and move on. And when Jeff and I were first married, there was a lot of that. There was a lot of, I'd make really good friends and then they'd leave. But I kind of came to the conclusion at that time in my life that it's like, okay, I'm just going to be patient because that next friend is going to come into my life. And so I quit working at it. I quit trying. I just thought when it happens, I'm going to... Seize the moment and I'm going to make the best of it. And I am going to try to be a good friend to this person. And if it works, it works. If it doesn't, I'll wait till the next person comes along.
0: Right. And I'm trying to, I don't think I found myself that young, like when I married my first husband, where I was like, okay, I'm totally comfortable in friendship now because I think we've talked about this on a previous episode, but. I had my first son Cameron when I was 22 years old and I was still hanging out with my high school and college friends at that time, but none of them had babies. Like I was the first to have a baby. (laughs) So was I I traded it for the world. I know I wouldn't have traded it for the world, but then I have these, you know, 20 young, 20 year olds, like, let's go to the bar. Let's go do this. And I'm like, I can't, I I can't go do that. Like I have to buy formula and my baby is going to be up in a couple hours. So I'm stuck between them and then I'm stuck between moms who do have kids my child's age, all being about 10 years, five to 10 years older than me. And it was a really tough place to feel like I fit in anywhere. And I had a couple wonderful friends that really took me under their wing and the age didn't matter. And we did a lot of things together and I don't talk to them every day on a day-to-day basis, but I do believe they're one of those people that if we were in a room together we would have a brilliant time catching up, but I had a lot of insecurity about that because I was, you know, too young here. Now
1: I'm too old everywhere, but whatever. <laughs> well, and that being said, I can relate so much to what you're saying because I had those days too, because Katie was the first born. I didn't have any friends with children. Most of my friends weren't married when she was born because Jeff and I got married fairly young, not as young as you did, but we were fairly young as well. I was 22 when I got married, 24 when I had Katie, and no one around me had children. And it was tough. It was painful because I, again, went into that lonely stage where it's like, no, there's no one to relate to me. And when they're babies, it's not like you have school as an outlet where you meet other parents. You just don't. You're isolated. You're home with that baby. And yeah, the friends that we used to spend time with, they kept spending time with each other. And we just gradually weren't able to do that anymore because of the baby. And we loved, I mean, we adored having Katie But it was a very drastic change in our lifestyle. And we still had friends who would come over to our house like every Thursday night. We had really close friends and family who would come (coughs) over and we'd watch Family Ties and Cheers and Knots Landing. And it was like a party every Thursday night. Friday nights were Trivial Pursuit nights and people would come over and we'd play Trivial Pursuit. So we did have our thing. We made it work. But yeah, I remember really lonely times.
0: Right, and, as you mentioned just there, I had an amazing and supportive family. I still do, and so they got me through a lot as I started balancing and navigating that. But again, who am I now i'm a mom, so am I Cameron's mom you know so and so's wife? you know where is time for friendship and then, about the time the kids started getting into preschool and stuff, then you know different friendships started to to form, and on a different level, uh-huh. I will say. But then your kids grow and as you said, people move and things change. And it really wasn't until, yeah, I would say late 30s, early 40s that I really, I would say maybe even early 30s that I became comfortable enough with who I am to know what I could offer as a friend and be the person I wanted other people to be for me. Wow. Yeah. And, you know, really it all came down to making that conscious choice that this person matters and I'm going to devote the time, the follow-up and everything to be a good friend where before I might not have had the time or I might've rushed it or forgot to return
1: a text, which I hate to do. I hate when I do that. Okay. I remember though, when you and I first became friends and you would text me and I think just because I'm just that much older than you, that texting was so foreign to me. I didn't understand it texting protocol. (laughs) I think I actually had to ask my kids. It's like, okay, so if I have a text conversation with someone, is it always up to me to respond to the last text? How does a texting conversation end? You know, it's like, am I being rude if I don't answer? (laughs) just remember that because you were the best texter. And you at one point asked me, you said, would you rather be a friend that talks on the phone or a friend that texts? And I'm not a big phone talker. So I was like, oh, texting, absolutely. But then I didn't know, I got stressed because I didn't know how to end a text. I didn't know if I should end a text. Do I just keep the text going? (laughs) I mean, so it's kind of funny that you bring that up because it's like, ah, I remember texting protocol, learning texting protocol.
0: Right. And that's another thing we definitely have in common. Neither of us really like to talk on
1: the phone very much. No. So it's kind of funny that we do a podcast remotely where we can't see each other. Because I was just <laughs> going to say that. It's is, like talking on the phone. It is like talking on the phone. So it's so stupid because it's like, how can I not like talking on the phone when I can do a podcast, which is basically like talking on the phone.
0: Right. And basically the only time I call you is if it's too much to to type or I needed a quick answer. Right, exactly.
1: And all that being said about talking on the phone, I have a couple of friends who are phone talkers. So it's an exception to that to my rule of not wanting to talk on the phone because I have a couple of friends who are very comfortable on the phone and we have amazing conversations and I can sit down and talk with them and it'll be an hour later and I'm still talking to them without even knowing that.
0: I love when that happens. I do too. And I I have a couple of people that I do talk on the phone with and, you know, I'll look at the phone and it'll be an hour and a half later and I'll be like, wow, I should probably go get something done. But I will say when I talk on the phone, I walk. So I'm at least getting steps and exercise while I'm talking in that
1: time. Wow. See, that's interesting because I just recently found I had one friend who when our kids were growing up, they were the same ages. We had a lot in common. We were involved in the same organizations in school, we did a lot of events together. And I just recently found out that she would talk on the phone to me while she was doing her morning routine, you know, making the beds, loading the dishwasher, you know, doing her cleanup stuff. Whereas when I would talk to her, I would sit on my sofa and drink my cup of coffee. And because I was on the phone, I didn't know that she was doing all of this other stuff while she was talking to me. Whereas I just sit and enjoy my coffee.
0: Right. And I wish I could do that, but I cannot. And I will tell you, at least two of the boys walk when they talk also. So they've probably seen me doing it all my life. I just cannot sit still while I'm on a telephone. I have to walk or move around or something.
1: So then how do you sit still when you're doing your podcast or don't you? Do you walk around?
0: No, I am sitting still while I do my podcast, but I'm only doing that because I don't know what the microphone might (laughs) pick up. And I don't, you know, I close the windows because I don't want it to pick up the traffic outside. I don't want it to pick up my footsteps. I trip a lot when I don't pay attention. So I don't (laughs) want (laughs) to have you hear me like kick something and then uh, fall over or stub my toe or something like that because I'm a little bit clumsy also.
1: Well, okay, so my next point that came to mind when you were introducing this concept of friendships is so what do you look for? in a friend?
0: If a person is approachable, that would be the number one thing I look for is a person welcoming in their approach. And if they are, and I get the green light that they want to converse more, it sounds so staged. Like, I don't even know what I'm trying to say. I guess what I look for in a friend is somebody I am compatible with, somebody who is willing to invest the time in me so that it's not like... (sighs) just a one-sided
1: relationship? Yeah, I actually, that was going to be my answer. And I was kind of waiting for you to get around to that because it was like, first thing I look for in a friend is someone who shows interest in me. Now, I hope that I can say the same about being a friend is that I hope I can show enough interest in my friends so that they want to be around me. So it's kind of like that back and forth volley like it's like you show interest in me, I'll show interest in you, and our friendship will develop.
0: Right. And I I do try with people and I do reach out. I'm very good about that and following up. But if I don't get a response after probably two attempts to reach out, I won't reach out again and I'll wait. And, you know, most of the time I hear something back and it's just that they've been busy or something. But um I really do believe it has to be pretty close to 50-50. For it to work for both people.
1: I agree with that. Although I think we're allowed times of it's 60% about me, 40% about you, as long as we come back around to now it's 60% about you, 40% about me.
0: No, I mean absolutely. I I believe in that. I believe that there are things that come up in a person's life where they need that extra time and attention and that extra care and where their life might be at a point where they can't be the friend they normally are. I mean, I'll go back to when Rob was sick and I was just trying to be a good caregiver and I still loved my friends and wished I could be there at all the events, but I couldn't be. So it really did shift the burden on them not burden, but shift the friendship on them to reach out because I probably wasn't reaching out as often as I did before. Does that make sense?
1: Absolutely. And I think that the friends who stick out in my mind are the friends that do reach out in those times who do recognize that they need to pick up the slack and be a better friend during a difficult time. But I have to say, it's so easy to not recognize that, you know, to get caught up in so much in your own life that you forget to extend that extra hand to a friend who needs you.
0: That is absolutely correct, you know, and sometimes as that friend on the other side, you're like, I don't want to be too intrusive also. Like, right. I don't want to reach out too much. I want to set some boundaries there so they don't feel like I'm all up in their thing and their business, but still being supportive. So finding the balance there too. So
1: absolutely.
0: I just know I, Rob and I both walked out of the experience uh, just with a different view on life and friendships and who we're going to give our time to. And I, I know that sounds selective, but it really isn't because we really are people who enjoy other company and everything. And, um, we have our tight group of friends. And then from, from there we have his friends, my friends, and then we have our acquaintances because there's all sorts of categories there. And, you know, we spread our time out the best we can, but really with those people who touch our heart, those are the ones that
1: are are our go-tos. Right. Well, and that brings up another interesting point that I wanted to be sure and touch on because, There was an aha moment for me when it came to friendships. And I could say this was 15, 20 years ago that I had this aha moment, but it was like a breakthrough for me because I um, always thought that a friend had to be an all-inclusive friend, that if you had a good friend, they should be able to cover all of your bases with you. And actually another super close friend of mine. I see, like I said, I have so many friends that I consider super close friends to me. And again, I don't interact with them on a regular basis, but just such good friends. This particular friend of mine is the one that I realized she is my go-to person for certain things. But if I expected her to remember my birthday, she was not the friend to expect it from because she didn't remember birthdays. She didn't even remember her own birthday. It wasn't a priority to her. I expected her to let me cry over spilled milk. She was not the friend to go to. And when I had that realization, like she is still one of my best friends. She is not just not the friend to remember my birthday or she's not the friend that I go to when I'm crying. It was like, oh, so... If I want someone to remember my birthday, I'm going to call Michelle because Michelle never forgets my birthday. Or I'm going to call, I have a couple of friends who will never forget my birthday. So if it's about my birthday, I know which friends to count on. If it's about me crying, I know which friends to, to call and they don't all have to be all inclusive. I can have different friends for different reasons.
0: Right. And you just learn to appreciate them for what they have to offer. There's a very good friend that I have. And, you know, I felt like I really tried above and beyond my share of the friendship to connect and to go do things. And this person was just always busy. And it took me a moment to step back and say, that's who she is to everybody. She is just so incredibly busy. She's engaged in life. She, you know, is doing things she's a groundbreaker. So just appreciate that time when you can connect and be happy for that because that's where it is. And that's okay to be there. And and once I let go of the expectation of more, there would be more time available. I became more just thankful for the time I had. So I get what you're saying there.
1: Right. Which brings me to another point, because I think that that hits the tip of the iceberg when it comes to friendships. The other thing that I used to have issues with is if my friend wasn't perfect in my eyes. And again, I had an aha moment where it's like, wait just a second. Nobody's perfect. So nobody's going to be perfect in my eyes. And they can still be my friend. They can still be a really good friend of mine, even if they have things that I disagree with. Even if they do things that I don't like or appreciate, they can still be my friend. And That again was another aha moment for me where it's like, since when does a friend have to be perfect? Since when do they have to be everything I want them to be? They don't have to be that in order for me to still enjoy their company. They're just in a different category of friend. Again, aha moment for me.
0: And those aha moments are so important for our individual journeys too. And just deciding and figuring out what we have to offer as friends. So yes, definitely somebody showing interest in the friendship, that's very important. I also think a person who is genuine makes a good friend, someone where you can just be yourself and they accept you for who you are and you can accept them for who they are. No pretenses,
1: no fakeness. You are who you are. Yep, genuineness. I love that one. I think that one is so spot on.
0: And I have really gotten to the point in my life where this maybe goes into what you don't want in a friend. But if somebody doesn't allow me to see their authentic self, to see who they really are and they keep putting walls up around them and I'm standing there trying to figure it out and I'm getting frustrated to the point where I feel like I could vent to somebody else about this person, that. Is when I don't want to be friends anymore because I want to be able, anything I say to somebody else about someone, I want to be able to say to them, I don't want to feel like I have to be nicey nice to someone's face. And yet these are my true feelings that I'm sharing with someone else. That's icky. It's yucky. I don't like it. And at that point, I mean, I know, again, this is
1: <laughs> right
0: going off the topic a little bit, but yes,
1: I appreciate genuine people, people who are authentic, yeah, I 100% agree with that. Although I'm trying to, because I go back to what I said at the beginning. Once I consider someone a friend, they're always a friend to me. So I never divorce anyone from a friendship. I will always consider them a friend. But I have taken a step back when I find myself in that same position that you're talking about, where I find myself complaining about them to someone else then it's like, okay, you need to take a step back. You need to regroup because this is my problem, not their problem. This is an issue I have, not what they're doing. You know, it's like my issue, not their issue. So I have to take a step back and regroup, but I will regroup and I will always come back to it. I'm trying to think if there's a friend in my life that I've ever really taken out of my life completely. I have to think about that. Okay. So are there people like that in your life that you, you have said, that's it. I'm done. I'm walking away.
0: Yes. Because I got to the point where I didn't like who I was when I was around them. They were not bringing out the best in me and they were bringing out a side of me I couldn't stand because I am not that person. I don't feel like I talk about people behind their backs, other than to build them up and say they're very good at this, or you should see how she approaches this. Like it's so awesome. Like I really try to build people up. And when I get to that point of negativity coming out, it's like,
1: I, I don't like that in me. That's so interesting. When my kids were little and I was part of a some sort of social group. I don't know if it was a book club or if it was a play group or if it was a Bunko. And I said to my husband, at the time, it's like, I have to quit doing this because every time I come home, I feel worse about myself than I did when I went. And that to me is a good sign that I'm not in the right. I'm not around my people. I'm not around people who make me feel good about myself. So you make a really good point. And I think I quit that group, whatever that group was, I quit it because it was like, okay, And nothing wrong with that group. I just didn't feel good about myself whenever I left it. Right. They just weren't your people. And
0: you recognize that and were able to move on, but still be friendly, which I still try to be friendly when those situations come up and not be aggressive about it or anything, just kind
1: of step back. Yeah, that's fascinating, really, to me.
0: It is a fascinating topic. I
1: love this. I know. And it's so interesting because, yeah, (laughs) one of the a podcast we did a few weeks ago, we were, I think we were struggling to come up, maybe the topic was too narrow. And we both felt like we had been talking for like an hour and a half. And we kept trying to wrap it up. And then I'd look down at the time and we were like, Oh, nope, it's only been about 30 minutes. (laughs) We have a long way to go. And here we are at this end. And we're getting close to having to wrap this Conversation up because we have flown through this conversation. We have a few more minutes, but um, yeah, we are running out of time here.
0: I know it's going by very quickly, and I know there's still so much more to cover because we've only got through um, making the time and being genuine as things <laughs> or qualities that make a good friend. Um, I'll just throw out a few more off the top of my head being trustworthy, having a strong sense of who you are is important and having a really good sense of humor because you have to in life, you have to find those things that you can laugh out about to share and to grow to make you know new experiences. So oh, and
1: ease of conversation is good too. Well, ease of conversation, but that being said, okay, <laughs> you're gonna find it hard to believe. Because I do most of the talking during our podcast, but I am not a conversationalist. So that being said, I like to be around friends who carry the conversation because I am just not very good at it. And I have friends who are great conversationalists who can carry conversation. And it's like, I love them, but that is not a good quality in me as a friend, because I have a really hard time carrying a conversation
0: Right. And that's all about balance. But I'm going to give you credit here, Suzanne, because uh, I saw you in Vegas just last week. And there were a couple of dinners where you had to carry the conversation and you did a wonderful job. You didn't give yourself enough credit there because you you did carry that and you were engaging. And I was proud of you.
1: Well, it was probably the wine I was drinking. <laughs> oh, yes. Yeah, so the liquid courage. Yeah. Liquid courage. Yeah. And there are few filters when you drink. So, but thank you because they actually turned to be very nice dinners and I really enjoyed myself.
0: that's good. Are there any other qualities you look for in friends? I mean, of course, similar interests and things like that.
1: No, because, and this is where my faith in God comes in. And I know I don't talk about religion very much, but every time in my life that I was losing a friend physically where they were moving away from me, or they had passed away. I always believed that if I were just patient, that next friend would come into my life, which I mentioned earlier. But I put my faith in God, and it was like, that next person is going to come into my life. And by God, (laughs) that person always does. They always make themselves known to me. So I don't look for anything specific. I can't say that it's always been like that in my life, but I also think that I probably didn't let enough people into my life because I was too particular about who I was looking for. Whereas now I'm much more like, I know if I'm patient, those people will make themselves known to me.
0: And you follow your intuition. Yes, I do. I follow my intuition. Yeah. So that gut instinct really will also let you know if you're listening. But that being said,
1: when we went to Paris together, that was one of our first trips together. First time that we really got to know each other. You were one of those people where it's like, if I don't become friends with this woman, I am a fool because we had so much in common. And even though at that time in my life, the 10 year age difference made a difference to me. And it's not quite 10 years, it's nine years, but it made a difference to me. And I thought, you know, can I really be good friends with someone who's that much younger than me? But it was definitely one of those times in my life where it's like, well, I would say I'm a picky eater. And you'd say, well, I think I'm a pickier eater. (laughs) And we just had so much in common at that time that I was like, okay, I would be a fool not to be friends with her.
0: (laughs) And we all know that you are no fool. And I will say uh, the age difference never really mattered to me because along with a friend, I also got a mentor, someone who had already gone through some of the things that I was stepping into. And I think that also bonded us because we were able to talk about it, similar experiences or this is coming in. How do I deal with it? Because you'd already been there or you knew people who had been there. So,
1: well, and that is maybe an advantage to being the older person in a relationship because yeah, not that I have all the great knowledge, it's just been there, done that. So, you know, here's maybe how I dealt with it and here's how I maybe would have done it differently had I had the chance to do it again. But those are very kind words of you to say, but I think that's that is an advantage of being the older person in a friendship because you do have that been there, done that attitude. Right. And I can say
0: with, um, several of my newer friendships, um, people I have met that I can talk to about, um, the spiritual side of things, quite a few of them are younger than me, like in their mid thirties, early thirties. And it bugged me. Like you said, it bugged you that I was so much older, I'm like, they're going to just think I'm ancient or antiquated or something. But again, I realize that I can bring that experience to the relationship also. And it's mutually benefiting because hopefully I'm helping them and I know they're helping me. So it's
1: a different perspective. I agree. And, and I hate to wrap this up, Michelle, but we are on the brink of being way past our time. <laughs> And so we're going to have to pick this conversation up again in another podcast.
0: Okay, well, let me just throw this out here to you and then we'll end because maybe this is where we start our next podcast or maybe we give it a week for a break for a week or two. But I was just talking about my spiritual friends. Mm -hmm. I have my gang of six. I have my Zumba friends. I have my book club friends. I have my Chaniga friends, all different friends. They don't all know each other. I'm the common piece. How do you feel when those worlds collide. Just throwing a little Seinfeld out there for you all to listen. Yeah. For you all to think about before.
1: Oh, man. Yeah, that is such a great. Yeah, that's where we're going to pick up the next time we address friendships, because I have so much to say about that, as I know you will, too. But yeah, great teaser to leave with, because yeah, there's so much to say about that.
0: So much to say, because Well, yeah, I'll leave it there because with all that shared, I'm going to say
1: cheers, friend. Cheers, my friend.
0: Thank you for tuning in to our podcast, Orange Juice Optional. What many of you wouldn't know is that this podcast has been a shared vision of ours for
1: many years. And knowing what we know now, I can't believe we've waited so long to make our vision a reality. Right? I really think the hesitation on our part came from
0: all the unknowns of podcasting, the biggest unknown being the toughest one. Where do we begin? That's when we found Podigy and Riley. And you know, if we had Godsend music, I'd cue it right now. Riley is a know-everything-about-podcasting kind of guy, and the best part for us was that he was so nice and down-to-earth about everything. And by everything, I mean he answered so many questions, he gave so much reassurance, and he offered advice on things we hadn't even considered. Initially, Podigy helped us choose our recording equipment, find our music, create our artwork, and set up our templates for recording. And seriously, how many Zoom calls did setting up the templates take? Probably too many to count because we are a technology challenge. But the best part of each one of those calls was the reassuring voice on the other end. I love that about Potagy. Now that our podcast setup is complete and things are running a bit smoother, knock on wood, Podigy is going to edit each upcoming episode, do our show notes, and get our show out there for the listeners. Their help takes so much off our plate that all we really need to worry about is our friendship, next week's topic, and if it's an orange juice needed kind of day. So if you're interested in podcasting, please don't let the unknown stop you. Please check out Riley at podigy.co. That's P-O-D-I-G-Y dot C-O. They have packages available based on each show's individual needs. Thanks again, Podigy. Our next toast is for you. Cheers. Cheers.